We're so glad you're here this morning and we wanna welcome you again. And thanks for being here on this Palm Sunday, special Sunday. And we wanna take a moment and pray and invite the Lord to speak to us and give us ears to hear what he would have to say this morning. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you, Lord, that we are blessed, Father. Thank you, Lord, all the things that are happening in our world, Lord, even if there's trouble in our life, Lord, we are blessed. So thank you, Lord, today. Thank you for your faithfulness towards us, Lord, your kindness and your goodness. And Lord, this morning, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us an ear to hear the Spirit today. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say, not what man has to say. So, Lord, please come this morning, come and speak. Open up our hearts to hear exactly what you want. May there be a word today that's a demonstration of the Spirit's power, Lord. Not just talk, but power from the Spirit, Lord. We need you today, Lord. God, we pray that the word would cut us to the heart, lead us to repentance, Lord. And Father, may we hear today as if it's the very words of God. Lord, may there be encouragement and life that comes to every person as the Holy Spirit speaking. And Lord, we welcome you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. morning we're going to take a look at the story of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I bet you couldn't have guessed that, right? This is a story that is mentioned throughout all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke and John give us some other details about this triumphal entry that we don't necessarily get from Matthew and Mark's account, and they help uh, kind of fill in the gaps a little bit. And the story is the same in every gospel. And the story is the same, and to uh, same specifically about this event, because this event is one that was of great significance. And there is, there is a reason why we call it Palm Sunday, not just to uh, commemorate the day that Jesus went into Jerusalem on a cult, but it is also to commemorate what the action of what Jesus was doing, the significance of that. And we call this Palm Sunday because it is the start of what many call Holy Week and the week leading up to the events of Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection. And the story happens to be as Jesus is in Jericho and he's going to Jerusalem. And it's important that we see the journey of where Jesus is coming from and where he is going. He's leaving Jericho. He's leaving a place where he's been doing signs and wonders. And we're going to talk about a, a man there that experienced that. But he's on the way to Jerusalem, a place that is struggling to see the signs and wonders. And so the Bible tells us this wonderful story that of Jesus as he's leaving Jericho. And as he's leaving Jericho, I'm going to kind of summarize to save us some time here today, but feel free to read this in Luke chapter 18 and 19. But as he's leaving Jericho, the Bible says that on, and every gospel mentions this account, but mentions the miracle of this blind man. And one account says that there's three blind men, and the other accounts call one of the blind men by name, and his name is Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, uh, the irony of the story is incredible because here is Bartimaeus 
who is blind. He cannot see a thing. He cannot see Jesus. But recognizes the events that are about to unfold as he's going to Jerusalem and identifies a blind man on the streets of Jericho, recognizes that this man is the son of David and begins calling out to him. Now, when someone referred to Jesus as son of David, that wasn't an accident. That wasn't just another title. That was a, a, a automatic assumption that Jesus is in the line of royalty, going all the way back to King David, one of the most revered kings in their history. And so this blind man recognizes that Jesus is not just a miracle worker, not just signs and wonders, not just give me what I want, but he is royalty. And here are all these people that are surrounding him, and they haven't quite caught on to that. But the blind man sets off the events that are about to unfold and recognizes, no, you're the son of David. And he asks him to heal his eyes, and his blind eyes are opened, and he praises God there in their midst. And now then the story goes where Jesus is beginning to make this journey into Jerusalem. And as he's making this journey into Jerusalem, uh, it's important that we see kind of how it happened. Um, it, there's a lot of things that if you kind of read this story without uh, thinking about the context, it might seem strange or it might seem like, why did they do that? And that's good to ask those questions. And that's exactly what was beginning to happen. So Jesus tells them that they are to go, uh, tells the disciples to go ahead to the town, find a colt, a colt that, or a donkey that has never been ridden on, and that he is to get on it. And if anyone stops you and says, why are you taking it? Tell them the Lord needs it, but he's going to bring it back. And the amazing thing is, is that they do ask him, what are you doing with this donkey? And they say, well, the Lord needs it. And they say, okay. And they just keep going. And it's like, well, you just kind of think this is a, one of those stories that you read and you wonder, uh, okay, I guess they were fine with it. They just let him go. And so uh, the Bible says that they began to go into Jerusalem. And as they were beginning to go into Jerusalem, these events began to unfold. And we want to read here Luke 19, verse 36. And, or verse 35. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, uh, notice they took off what they had, they put it on the colt, they set Jesus on it. They helped Jesus get on there. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And now as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude, watch what the Bible says here, because this is a detail that Luke adds that Matthew, Mark, and John do not add. He says, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And this this saying that they said here, blessed is the king, uh, Hosanna, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They were quoting a psalm. Now, if, if you have to remember, for the people of Israel, psalms uh, were songs like, like we would sing. And so Psalm 118 was known as a song of victory. 
And it was a song that would be sung as the king would come back from battle and there was a victory that had occurred. They would begin to sing this, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they would talk about, he has saved us, he has rescued us. And they would begin to sing this song. And this was what they were quoting here. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And this is one of those verses you read it and you think, how can stones make any noise? But this is a moment where Jesus goes in his royal power and immediately brings their attention to the fact that he is the son of God the creator of the universe. And these stones, even these stones, were created by God. And all of creation was intended to glorify God, even stones. But then the next thing happens here in verse 41. As we read this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, this is one of those stories that often gets forgot about what happened when he got to Jerusalem. We know it was about to be a bad week. But this gives us a look into the heart of Jesus for a moment. And as he came near, he saw the city. And watch what Jesus did. He wept over it. Here was all these people praising God and celebrating. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were throwing their cloaks down, waving palm branches. The gospel of John tells us they had palm branches. They were throwing them on the road. They were blessing him. They were celebrating him. But then Jesus gets to Jerusalem. And what does he do? He weeps. What a turn of events. Here is this glorious moment, victorious moment. The king is coming. The king is on the way to Jerusalem. He's just left Jericho. We've just seen him open literally blind eyes. And now he rides to Jerusalem. And what does he do? He weeps. He weeps. Why does he weep? The Bible says that he said, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Notice how Luke here brings their attention back to even the blind man could see that he was the son of David, but they have a spiritual blindness. They are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave you with one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. This morning, I want to talk to you about the time of visitation, the time of visitation. Jesus had entered Jerusalem, and he was there to visit Jerusalem. If they would have let him, it would have been wonderful to see what Jesus would have done. But the people of Jerusalem were resistant. And Luke clarifies this by telling us that oftentimes it's assumed that a crowd in Jerusalem that was praising him, but that's not the case. The crowd that was praising Jesus, the Bible says here in Luke, was a multitude of disciples. So it was his disciples, it was uh, the people that had began to follow him and these uh, that had begun to catch on to his teachings. They were the ones who were praising him joyfully. It was not the people of Jerusalem, although there might have been disciples living there. 
So as he gets there to Jerusalem, there is this scene that is happening. And these Pharisees recognize all these disciples are praising him and celebrating him. And these Pharisees look at him and tell him, you better tell those guys to stop. And the reason they were saying that is because they were, they were trying to pin Jesus on blasphemy. And so here was a claim. They're going to praise him and celebrate him. It looks blasphemous. And so they're trying to find a way to pin him in his words. Uh, but he goes on to say, if they don't, the stones are going to do it. And this wonderful moment and scene we see here, what is known as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, is where we get our understanding of Palm Sunday. But it is a deeper and greater meaning to what Jesus wanted to do. That Jesus did not just want to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to come and visit Jerusalem. You know what a visit means, right? Oftentimes, my wife and I, we go and we'll go visit my family in California and we'll stay with them, we stay in their house, we eat their food, we share meals with them, we share laughter with them, we share stories with them, and that, in my mind, is what a visitation is like. You spend time with someone, you get to know them, you, you get acquainted with them, and that's why Jesus came to Jerusalem, is he wanted to get acquainted with the people of Jerusalem. He did not just want to come riding on a donkey. As a matter of fact, all Jesus told them was that the Lord needs it. But as far as we know, he didn't give them any other instructions as to wave cloaks in the air as this was some entertainment to be seen by everybody. No, all, the, all that we know is that when Jesus asked for a cult, the people said they put him on it. The Bible says they set him on it. They put their cloaks on the ground. They waved their branches. Jesus didn't ask them to do any of that. And it was the symbol of what was about to happen, of what Jesus was demonstrating here. And we're going to talk about that this morning at this time of visitation. And we need, oh, how not just we as a church, we as a country, but I need a visitation from Jesus. The type of visitation that Jesus wanted to do here. And so this, what, what, what type of visitation was Jesus trying to do? And there's two things I want to talk to you about this morning. And the first thing was this. It was supposed to be, and what he wanted to be, was a visitation of power. A visitation of power. This scene was the picture of what would happen in the Old Testament when kings would come back from battle and they would come as they were beginning to come into the town. And some have assumed that the story means that Jesus is asserting his, his himself as king. But really, that's not, that's not the full picture of what is happening. This is a picture of a king returning from battle, going into Jerusalem, and people are celebrating the victory that he's had. And it was the why they would sing the Psalm 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who has saved us. It was what Jerusalem wanted all along, what Israel wanted all along as they said to Samuel, we want a king who will go out and fight our battles. We want a king who's going to go before us. And so the Lord, in, their, in their, their ignorance, he gave them Saul. And Saul, we know the story there, the type of king that he was, ultimately fell down in the, in, in the walk that he had with the Lord. And David came along and all the other kings, all these kings came along and they, none of them could really ever do what God had established to, to be himself as king. And now here is the full picture, Old Testament picture, of the actual king that was intended to be over Israel. Now he's come. And he's not just come, but he has come to show himself tri 
triumphant. He's not just triumphant. He didn't go out and fight a battle. He didn't take a sword. He came out and he conquered death. It was the beginnings of what was about to happen, that he was conquering death. He was conquering sin. He was conquering the grave. And now he is entering Jerusalem triumphantly. It was the entry of a king returning victorious and all the people are celebrating alongside of Jesus. It is a visitation of one who is not weak, doesn't have strength. It's not a sign of somebody who is a coward. It's a visitation of power. It's a visitation that Jesus has come and he has done all that he has said he would do. It is the song of victory. So they sang, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in God in the highest. It was a visitation of power. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and he talks to them. Because there's a lot of Christians that had got caught up in Corinth. And they were really good at talking. But they were very bad at living. And this was their problem. And Paul said to them, he says, I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God depends not on talk, but on power. And this is the matter that Jesus was demonstrating here, was that Caesar can talk a good talk. Herod can talk a good talk. But until they have gone till the cross and risen from the grave, it doesn't mean anything. Because Jesus is only the, the only one with power. And it was a visitation of Jesus coming in full power and victory to Jerusalem. It was a visitation showing that only Jesus can save and rescue the people of Jerusalem. But they would not have him. And so what he did was he stood there and he wept because there he was to visit them with power, but they would not receive it. There he was to come and do signs and wonders in their midst, but they would not welcome it. It was supposed to be a wonderful scene, but it was a scene that caused Jesus to weep. We need visitation of power. It's one thing to talk about the Bible. It's one thing to read the stories. It's one thing to watch it on TV and see it played out. But it's another thing to experience the power. It's another thing to be in sin and to hear about how wonderful a Savior Jesus is. And see, yes, he can save sin. And maybe even hear somebody else tell their story about Jesus did this for me. But it's not real until you yourself experience it. And that was what Jesus came to do, was to give them a visitation of power. They had heard about Jesus. As a matter of fact, in one of the Gospels of Matthew and Mark records that people began to praise Jesus. And they began to question, who is this? Who is this? Why is he getting the welcome of a king who's come back from battle? Who is this? And it was the one who proved, just like he did as before he entered Jerusalem, was he came to Bartimaeus, he opened his blind eyes, and he could see. And never had there been anyone who could do what Jesus could do, and came willing to ride on a donkey and be made with the people in, in the crowd of the people in that way. Normally it was guards and people pushing back any other king. But this time Jesus made himself available, accessible, welcomed by the people. And he himself was willing to have them come to him. But they would not come to him. 
And it shows us that a visitation of power from Jesus, that if you want to experience a visitation like that in your life, it's not something you got to do step one, step two, step three, all these things to do through. You don't have to climb through armed guards to do. All you simply have to do is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. It's a visitation that you can experience in your life. If you are stuck in sin and struggling through something, you're in some sin that maybe no one knows about, but it has gripped itself upon your life, and you think, how do I get free of this? It happens through a visitation of power from Jesus. Yeah, there might be great resources out in the world. There might be things that can help you in the journey. But there is nothing like the wonder-working power of Jesus that can open blind eyes, that can take someone who is completely in a state of sin and liberate them. And that was what the people were longing for. And that's why they were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, because here is Caesar occupying Jerusalem. Here is Rome taking over Jerusalem. And we want somebody who will bring us out of this bondage so they begin to say Hosanna you can save us you can rescue us come help us and there was their plea for power a visitation from the one who said as he ascended into heaven all power in heaven and earth is given unto me Jesus is a wonderful power that wants to come and work in our life he wants to come with power and work in our lives your life my life not just something we read about not something we just talk about. But when you go and you pray and you're struggling, and you say, Lord, how do I get out of this? But the Holy Spirit comes and gives you victory. The type of stories that I heard about recently from some folks talking about their testimony and stories of struggling with some type of addiction and couldn't find a way out of it. But they began to call on the name of Jesus and something happened and they don't know how, but it clicked and they were delivered. That's the type of power, the type of power that I experienced at 13 years old when I was going one way and didn't even know I had heard about Jesus. I had heard about the Bible. It sounded good, but I didn't know it was just something I had heard about. But then when I experienced the wonderful power of Jesus, I went in one way and left another. And so I can tell you today, as assuredly as Paul would tell the Corinthians, it's not just something I talk about. I've experienced it. I know what Jesus can do, and I know what if he could do it for me, oh, what he could do for you. It was a visitation of power. We need fresh visitation from Jesus. If we don't have any power, then what are we doing? If there's nothing, if it's all just words in a book and we're reading, what separates us from any other religion in the world? If it's just things that we read and we talk about and we have sermons about, but we can't truly testify about it then have we ever really experienced what we're reading in our lives? Putting in us, listening to us. But when you have experienced it, and when you have listened to it, and it gets deep down in your heart, and the power of Jesus begins to work, it happens what the Bible says, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And the word of their testimony wasn't, well, we heard this scripture from the Lord, and it was good, it got in our mind, but the word of their testimony was, we heard it, we experienced it, and we overcame, because Jesus helped us. And that is what Jesus wants to do for every person here today, is not just give you something that you're good at getting intellectually, but something that gets down in your soul and you experience power to overcome. That's what Jesus wants to do for you and I. We shall overcome. It was a visitation of power. The Bible also shows us here that it was as Jesus began to enter there and he began to 
just asked for a colt. That's all he did. Untie it, bring it here. The Bible says that they began to praise him. And it was a visitation for praise. It was a visitation of power and a visitation for praise. And praise is one of those things that unfortunately in our Western Christianity has been simplified to a Sunday morning experience and nothing more. And that's the tragedy of what praise is because then when we come in, when we have that mindset and we come into a Sunday service and we consider praise to be just the music only. And while yes, it does happen in that moment, then we have condensed praise down to just some habit, habitual thing that we do and not an expression of our heart. And that was the thing that was different about the people that were praising Jesus here. Is the Bible says that the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. Now think about this for a moment. Here you are, you're, you're unnamed disciple of Jesus walking the streets. You just happen to start following him. And as you're walking, you're going through Jericho and you happen to see Jesus. He's having this conversation over in a distance with Bartimaeus. And all of a sudden you've, you've known Bartimaeus to be there for years. You've seen his eyes closed. You've seen him begging on the streets. And then all of a sudden you see something happen. You see him, that blind man, you see his eyes open. And not only that, the Bible says that when you go back and read this story about Bartimaeus, that he sprang up. The Bible says he was a beggar on the ground, blind. But when he heard Jesus was about to come and touch his eyes, he sprang up, the Bible says, uses those words. And his eyes were open. And you over in a distance have been watching this happen. All this happened before your eye. Blind eyes being open as Jesus is about to go in. And all the things that would fill your heart as you see this. A man that you have been seeing every day of your life as you go through Jericho, you pass through there. There he is begging on the streets. I wish there was something I could do for him. But then Jesus comes along and power hits him and his eyes are open. What would happen in your heart? I know what would happen in my heart. And it would be just like what happened to the disciples. That for all the things that I had seen, all I could do would be praise God. Praise God. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, you are wonderful and mighty and powerful. And notice how that type of response is not forced. You don't have to pull it out of somebody. It flows from the abundance of the heart. When you have a heart that adores Jesus and loves Jesus, praise is just the natural response to his grace in your life every day. And that's what was happening in the disciples is they saw Jesus work. They saw the scene unfold and they thought, yes, he is our king. He is victorious. He is wonderful. And so they just began. They didn't care who was around. They didn't care Pharisees, rocks. It didn't matter. They were going to praise God joyfully. And that's what they began to do. It was a visitation for praise. It was a moment where they could establish we are going to celebrate. He is King Jesus. He's been with us. We've seen the wonders he's done. He's on the way to Jerusalem and he is our victorious king. It was a heartfelt response at the victorious king. And that's what God wants to do when you and I praise him. 
is yes, songs are wonderful. We with songs, there's a ministry that happens through songs. We see it. it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. God uses Psalms to help coax our heart into the presence of the Lord, bring our heart into the presence of the Lord. But praise is also just this natural, responsive language to the love of Jesus at work in my life. And sometimes there might not even be a proper word for it. It's just a posture of the heart that turns to Jesus in gratitude. It was the type of heart. And when we use the word praise, it's, it, goes, it has this Old Testament significance that is like a king. And the king, when the king would walk in the courts of the people and he would stand before them, they just began to applaud because that's what they had to do. The trumpets would blast. That was the nature of what had to do. But now you and I, because we have the choice to choose of who we're going to serve, it is a joy for us to welcome Jesus, applaud him, and celebrate him. And that's why when we come together on Sunday and it's the gathering of God's people or on prayer meeting night, whenever it is, it is the moment where we say, praise God, we get to celebrate Jesus for all the wonderful things he's done in my life. Just take a moment and think about what God has done for you in your life and you will have a wonderful reason to praise him. Just take a moment and think about who Jesus is, let alone what he's done for you. And he would have a wonderful reason to praise him. The Bible goes on to say, and this is what the people of Israel would have understood what was happening there, is that in Psalm 22, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people or that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. And it was the picture of the tabernacle in the temple. And what happened when the people gathered and they began to praise God? The Bible says that they beheld the glory of God to descend into that place and fill the temple. And this is the picture of what happens when you and I praise God. It is we are welcoming. Praise prepares the way for the glory of God. And that's what they were doing was that as the disciples were applauding Jesus and celebrating him and praising, giving all their heart to him, it was the sign to say the glory has come to Jerusalem. He is here. He is right in your midst. Right now, he is here. And although the glory wasn't in the temple anymore, and although it wasn't there in their midst as they thought, he was coming riding on a donkey in the most unexpected way. But yet he was still worthy of all of the praise. It was a visitation for praise. How many of us, we just need a fresh welcoming of praise to Jesus in our hearts. Sometimes it's easy. Life, uh, I've, I've discovered in my life that when life gets difficult, I become callous to praise. I become sometimes, uh, when, when life is hard, it gets us focused on ourselves. And we lose sight of the wonderful things that Jesus has done. It's like a fog comes over our eyes and we miss out on the glory and the wonder of God that is happening in our lives every day. But when we stop and take a moment, and we just say, but Lord, if I just examine who you are and what you've done, that is alone enough a reason to praise you, to celebrate you, and to give him all the glory. That's what God wants from our hearts. God wants a real, genuine uh, word of praise, not just something that we've just conjured up to go along with what everybody else is doing. No, let it be genuine. Let it be from our heart. Let it be the expression of thanks to God, expression of Jesus. I am truly glad you are my king. I am truly glad that you are the one who came and died for me. It's a visitation of praise. As the musicians come, the Bible says, 
that yes, Jesus, he came, he came triumphantly. The disciples recognized that it was a visitation for praise. And yes, the disciples recognized that. But what Jesus really came was for Jerusalem. And they didn't recognize that. And notice that what moved Jesus to tears is he came and he saw the city, the Bible says. He wept over it. And he wept, why? Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. They did not recognize that Jesus was there. They did not recognize the fact that the one who can save you, he's right in your midst. Will you welcome him? And the thing that drives Jesus to tears, this has been a revolutionary thought for me, just personally speaking. The thing that drives Jesus to tears is when he looks at people he loves and they don't welcome him. Why does that drive Jesus to tears? Because Jesus gave up everything for you and I. He gave up everything for Jerusalem. Came, put on flesh, lived like us, gave his life upon a cross. And when he sees you and I, and we say, no thanks Jesus, I'm good. And there's no welcome. You know what Jesus does? He weeps over that. He weeps. That's why he could sit there with the disciples and he would tell them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few because what really matters to the heart of Jesus is people welcoming him. Say, come into my life, Jesus. I want you. I need you. Please, I need a visitation from you. I don't need to just watch you from a distance. Jerusalem, that's what they did. They were good at watching. They were good at being spectators. They watched Jesus parade up and down the streets being crucified, being beat across the back. They watched him being paraded up to Golgotha. They were good at spectating, but they were not good at welcoming him. And may it never be said of any of us today that I'm good at watching Jesus, but I'm not good at welcoming him. Because what Jesus wants for you and I is to welcome his power in your life. All the things that God could do if we would just welcome him. All the things that God could do for you and I in our lives, if we would just say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And oh, every person that look, Jesus looks across this world today and they say, no, thank you, Jesus. You know what Jesus does? The Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of God forever making intercession, praying, oh God, please soften their heart that they'll welcome me. Let them make room for me in, my, in, in, in their heart. Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? Every eye closed today. You know what? I've been praying to Jesus this morning. I've been praying, Lord, you came to Jerusalem, but come to Charlie's heart this morning. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful triumphant scene, but I need that triumph in my heart today. I need that type of visitation. I need the type of heart that like those disciples, there's a fresh joy to praise you in me. Jesus, would you come? I welcome you. May it never be said of Charlie, Jesus weeps over me because I don't welcome him. No, can we just have an agreement today? All of us, we would say to Jesus, Lord, please, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my life. 
I'm sorry if I haven't welcomed you, but today I want to make place for you. Jerusalem didn't do it, but today I do. You're welcome, Jesus. You're welcome here. You're welcome, Jesus. Come. In your own way, can you just tell that to the Lord? Fresh visitation of power. I'm sorry, Lord, if I've tried to do it in my own strength. It's not by might or by power. My power, but by your spirit, Lord. Lord, I welcome you today. Lord, I praise you today. And oh, as Jesus comes and we experience his power and see his wonderful work in his life, what happens next is natural praise. It just flows from our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, the power that came and rescued me. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. Thank you, Jesus, that you helped me out of that situation. Thank you, Jesus, by power, you came and delivered me when I thought I was stuck and was never going to get away out. Thank you, Jesus. Hosanna, you've come, our Savior, our Messiah. He's here. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I welcome you today, Jesus. Lord, we say as a church, Lord, we welcome you today, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just talk about you. It's not just a matter of talk here, Lord. But may the kingdom be here a matter of power, Lord. God, we can say all wonderful things with our lips. But Lord, today we want to experience the wonderful power of Jesus today, Lord. Lord, it was great for the disciples. It is great for us too today, Lord. So may you come a visitation of power, Lord, and work in our hearts, Jesus, today, Lord. May we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony may we have the story Jesus's power delivered me and may it inspire others Lord God we know today greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world so Lord today fresh power fresh praise let it fill our hearts to you this morning Lord let us open up in adoration as we welcome you this morning Jesus you're welcome here Lord you're welcome this morning Come, Jesus. That's you this morning. You want to just welcome Jesus in your life today? Or you need a fresh visitation of power from the Lord? Would you just come this morning and stand up here? We want to pray with you. Just come this morning. You want to join together and just lift up a praise to the Lord. Fresh. God, fill my heart with praise to you. Not just out of obligation, but a fresh response. Just come this morning. Lord, we bless your name today, Jesus. As the choir comes, can the rest of us, can we just, from the depths of our heart, not just lip service, but from the depths of our heart, can we just praise the Lord for a moment? God, we praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Lord, you're welcome here, Jesus. We make way for your glory, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We bless your name today, Lord. Lord, I recognize today this power that you've given us, Lord, is though so that we might overcome, Lord, and so that we also might tear down divine strongholds through the power that you've given us. And so, Lord, today for every stronghold that's present this morning, Lord, we destroy it in Jesus' name, Lord. You came triumphantly, Lord. You didn't come defeated, Lord Jesus. So today, Father, we thank you for victory, Lord, over every stronghold, Lord, over every 
battle, Lord. We say to you, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. So, Lord, today we thank you for victory this morning in Jesus' name, Lord. We bless your name today, Lord. We know, Lord, the enemy has no place in our lives today. But you are victorious, Lord. You are wonderful, Jesus. We thank you today, Lord. Praise God. Come on, can we praise the Lord this morning? We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We thank you today. We bless you, Jesus. Worthy is your name, Lord. Worthy is your name, Jesus. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You're worthy. Come on, from your heart this morning. Let's take a moment before we sing, just from our heart this morning. Jesus, we love you today, Lord. When was the last time you just told Jesus how much you loved him? Tell him this morning. We praise you, Lord. God, praise you for saving me, Lord. Praise you, Lord, for rescuing my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming for me, Jesus. Thank you for the nails you endured for me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You rose victorious. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. All of heaven is praising Jesus this morning. Lord, may it be done in our midst today. On earth as it is in heaven, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah today. 